song. Amen? Amen. Let's take our Bibles and uh, turn to the book of Mark. The book of Mark. The Gospel according to Mark. If God would help us, and I've been, uh, I guess, uh, you know, you, you preach what you're burdened about, and I've, I've been uh, burdened about this for a couple weeks now, and about what God would have us to do, and I've prayed over it, and I've wrestled with it, because as I mentioned a few, few, few sermons ago, that if, if you start out preaching something of that might demand a lot of you, you better make sure it's the will of God, because if not, you might get overextended. This, Lord willing, if he'll help us, will be the beginning of our preaching through the book of Mark on Sunday nights. It's going to take some time. Um, there will be some breaks, I'm sure of it. Um, the Lord has absolute permission to interrupt us anytime, okay? No matter what's going on in our life, he has permission to interrupt us. And certainly he has permission to do that behind the pulpit. The work behind the pulpit is the Lord's work, and it should be his word, his will, and his work in our lives, in the church's lives. So, if God would help us, we're going to try to uh, tackle this great task. Um, and we will, uh, sometimes it might be a passage by passage, sometimes it might, be, uh, uh, it might be a certain subject, we'll just see what God has for us. So tonight's just going to be an, an overview of the book of Mark, that's it. We're just going to look at the author, of Mark, the author Mark and uh, just a brief overview of the book. And then the next Sunday night uh, that I'm here preaching, then we'll begin the book of Mark chapter number one. So this will just be an overview of the gospel according to Mark. And this, we might not be here in length tonight, that's okay. Not that we're rushing, but uh, we just want to... Uh, Whenever we've given what the Lord has given us, then that's going to be it. Amen. There's some weather also coming in, and I want to make sure at least everybody's in their car before that weather should, should come. So get everybody home safely. All right, if you're in the book of Mark, say amen. 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 The author. The, book, the author of the book of Mark is, you guessed it, Mark. Now in Mark chapter number 14... There's an interesting scene that takes place. In Mark chapter 14, this is the scene where the Lord Jesus is um, being betrayed. In Mark 14, verse 50, Jesus is in the Garden of Gethsemane. And it's possible here, and I'm not sure of it, and uh, if you are sure of it, I'd like to hear why. Um, I'm not quite sure of it, but it's possible. Now, you know that Mark was not one of the twelve. We know that Mark was, was not one of the apostles as we think of them. Um, but it's possible that Mark is in, made a siding. He's, he's, he's been sided here in the book of Mark, chapter number 14 and verse number 50. So Jesus is in the garden of Gethsemane, and they all forsook him and fled. And there followed him a certain young man, and he's not named, having a linen cloth cast about his naked body. And the young man laid hold on him. And he left the linen cloth and fled from them naked. Now it's possible that this is young Mark. It is quite possible. Some say it is. Some would say that it's not. 
If it is Mark, then it's probably why he doesn't say that this is Mark. This is probably an embarrassing scene in his life. Um, it's going to come up again here in just a moment. If it is Mark, and I, I have my doubts, sometimes I think it is, sometimes I don't. But if it is him, this, is, this would fit the, um, the character of Mark before Jesus had finished his work in the life of Mark. I think every Christian should put a sign around their neck or wear a t-shirt that says, still under construction. That we are still under construction. Amen. Now, that is not a license to sin. It doesn't, that doesn't mean that I can get a, that I'm a, well, Jesus is, you know, I'm not perfect yet. That we should be ye perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. Strive for perfection, even though it is, it is in this life will never be obtained in our flesh. But we should all carry a sign, or wear a t-shirt, or keep it in your heart, still under construction. I quote the little song a lot, he's still working on me to make me what I ought to be. I'm glad of that, aren't you? That's the hope I have in this life. And when I come short of his glory and I make a mistake, I can hum that little tune I learned in Sunday school. You think, Hayden, why is Sunday school so important? Because I learned that song in Sunday school. He's still working on me to make me what I ought to be. And it's stuck with me, Amen. So Mark possibly is introduced to us in a, uh, in a compromised situation. Quite an embarrassing little tale, isn't it, if, if this is Mark. It seems kind of random and odd that Mark would put this in here. We don't know anything about the young man, and that's why many believe that it is young Mark himself. Mark, according to the book of 1 Peter, you don't have to turn there, chapter number 5, verse 14, Peter describes Mark, and he says that Mark is as so doth Marcus, that's Mark, my son, in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse number 13. So we're learning some things about Mark, and number one, we're sure of this, is that, is that Mark is the spiritual son of the apostle Peter. So what that means is that Peter won Mark to Jesus Christ. So Mark is a Christian. He was one under the ministry and the testimony of the apostle Peter himself. Many believe, and I'm one of them, that Mark, that, that Peter is Mark's source of information. That really, some would say that the gospel according to Mark, some say it's, it's Peter's gospel. And, and that Mark interviewed Peter, that Mark spent so much time with Peter. And it seems that this possibly is the case because Mark and Peter were spiritual, spiritual uh, that Mark was the spiritual son of Peter. And that Mark uses language in the book of Mark, or the theme of the book of Mark, it goes along with what Peter says in his epistle, in his, in his first and second epistles. So we know that Mark and Peter are close. Mark first shows up in the Bible in Acts chapter number 12, the first scriptural reference in Acts chapter number 12. We find that Peter is... You know the account where Peter's in jail and the church prays and angels come and they rescue Peter from prison. And we find the scene where Peter is, is going and fleeing and he goes to a place, to a home that is owned by a lady named Mary in Acts chapter number 12, verse 2. And when Peter gets out of prison, where does Peter go? He goes to this house called, this house owned by this woman Mary. In Acts 12, 12, it says, when he hath considered the thing, Peter's trying to figure out what happened to him, he came to the house of Mary, the mother of John, whose surname was Mark. So we have some association with Peter and Mark. 
that, John, that Peter feels safe going to this home owned by Mary. That Mary is the mother of young John Mark, whose surname was Mark, where many were gathered together praying. And just so we can get all we can out of the Bible, just a little note here about this mother of Mark named Mary. She's possibly a widow, or her husband is an unbeliever. Her husband is not named. If her husband was a believer and he was living, it would be his home in the New Testament. But it is the house of Mary, so she's possibly a widow. She seems to be wealthy, because her home seems to be a place where the church is gathering. And she's also very brave, isn't she? Because Peter's in jail for cause of the testimony of Jesus Christ, and Mary, the mother of John Mark, she is hosting a gathering. She owns the church building, so to speak. And she's very brave. And she's the mother of young John Mark. So moms, you think, what can I do to make an eternal difference in the world? You be a mom that teaches their kids about Jesus Christ. You be a mom that is brave in a world that's losing its mind. You be a mother that does right, that builds a Christian home, even if you're a widow, even if your husband's not around, because you might not know it, there is a young Bible scholar in your midst, there is a young evangelist in your midst, there is no telling what God can do with your children if you're just willing to be brave and serve Him, even if you're single, serve Jesus, be brave, and, and work within the church, and you'll see what God can do with a child. Amen? This would be a good Mother's Day sermon, wouldn't it? That the mother of John Mark is Mary, and that's the place when Peter got busted out of jail by the angel, that's the place he went to, and the church was gathered where? In the house of Mary, and she is the mother of Mark who wrote the gospel according to Mark. The next time we see, the, the, next time we see Mark is in the next chapter, Acts chapter number 13. And we find in Acts chapter number 13, in verse number 5, that Mark, he joins Paul and Barnabas on their missionary journey. Now, Barnabas is the, is the, uncle, is the uncle of Mark. We know that from Colossians chapter number 4 and verse number 10. That'd be like me and Jacob going on a missionary journey together. So Barnabas and Paul go on a missionary journey in verse 5 of Acts 13, and when they, had, and when they were... At Salmis, they preached the word of God in the synagogues of the Jews, and they had also John to their minister. So young John Mark, whose mother is Mary, who was brave, who was a widow or she was single spiritually, who opened up her home to the church where Peter ran to to find refuge, had impacted the life of John Mark so much, possibly also his uncle, no doubt the, the, also the ministry of Peter in his life. He's the spiritual son of Peter. Peter won John Mark to Jesus. John Mark is surrounded by all this Christian influence. You see what's happening here. So John Mark now has joined his uncle Barnabas, and he goes on a missionary journey with the apostle Paul, and they, there he experiences God's first missionary sent out from the local church. So John Mark has, a, he's a, has an incredible, he comes from an incredible pedigree already, don't he? But if we keep reading in the next, in the next few chapters, in Acts chapter number 15, sadly, Mark has a little setback. And so in Acts chapter number 15, verses 36 through 39, and Paul and Barnabas are fixing to go on another missionary journey. 
And the Bible says, and some days in verse 36, and some days after Paul said unto Barnabas, let us go again to visit our brethren in every city where they have preached the word of the Lord and see how they do. In verse 37, and Barnabas determined to take with them John, whose surname was Mark. But Paul thought not good to take him with them, who departed from them from Pamphylia and went not with them to the work. What's that mean? That when Paul and Barnabas were on their first missionary journey, John Mark left. He left. And Paul feels abandoned by John Mark. Paul feels like we can't count on this kid. That's what, that's what Paul thinks. Now, we don't, know if, we don't know for sure if Mark is a complete coward. He might have had to go for some other reason. But we do know this, that the Apostle Paul was disturbed by this. John, Paul says to Barnabas, listen, if you're coming with me, your nephew ain't going. If you're coming with me, you leave him at home. He is no longer coming with me. So Paul the Apostle has no confidence in John Mark. The next time we hear about John Mark, thankfully, there's, another, there's, a, there's a better ending to the story in the book of 2 Timothy. In 2 Timothy chapter number 4, Paul is coming to the end of his life. Paul is fixing to be offered. Paul is fixing to be beheaded. And Paul writes a letter to Timothy, and he says to Timothy in verse 11, 2 Timothy chapter number 4, Only Luke is with me. Take Mark and bring him with thee. For Paul says, he is profitable to me for the ministry. And so the wonderful story is about John Mark is he starts off great, he, but then he gets scared or he has earthly obligations. He leaves the mission field of Paul and Barnabas. Paul thinks so less of Mark, he don't want him around him no more. It creates division between Paul and Barnabas. Paul takes Silas and Barnabas takes Mark. But thankfully, in the midst of failure, Mark had a sign on his chest that said, still under construction. He's still working on me to make me what I ought to be. Now, why is this important? Because the truth of it is that you can fail in your life. You can fail in ministry. You can fail as a Christian. That's not good. But what is good is that God can still do something with your life. That's what's awesome about it. It's not good to fail, but it is good because what is good, rather, is that God can still make something out of you. Amen? So at the end of the story, Paul the Apostle gives this, this amazing, amazing vote of credibility to John Mark, and he says, he is profitable unto me for the ministry. And so my thought thinks, my, my mind thinks this way, what if Paul never asked Mark to come? We might not have had the gospel according to Mark. God still works in the midst of our failures. Amen? He certainly does. Now let's look at the book itself. The book of Mark was written probably around 60, 68 A.D. Now what's awesome about that is, what that means is that the book of Mark was written during the age, the apostolic age. That means it was written in the age of the apostles. That the book of Mark wasn't written 200 years after the fact. The book of Mark is like real-time information. It gives Christianity and the gospel credibility. It, it gives it clout. It gives it weight. It wasn't a, it wasn't a story that couldn't be fact-checked. It wasn't fake news, in other words. 
So the book of Mark comes out in the same generation of the people who knew the story of Jesus, whether it be true or not. It came out in the midst of eyewitness testimonies. It gives the book of Mark a historical, a historical relevance, but it also, also should give you and I something to our faith that could lay hold on. That this book was written under eyewitness testimony, most likely the source is the Apostle Peter himself. The theme of the book of Mark, you'll find the theme or the key verse in Mark chapter number 10. Mark chapter number 10 and look at verse 45. Here is the theme or the key verse in the book of Mark. And this verse sums up the whole story of the gospel according to Mark. In Mark 10, 45, Jesus says this, For even the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, unto, but to minister, and to give his life a ransom for many. Jesus says in the book of Mark, this is the key verse, remember this, this is the key verse of the book of Mark. Jesus is presenting himself as a servant. Jesus is the servant in the book of Mark. Often the hands of Jesus are emphasized in the book of Mark. His hands will do something in the book of Mark. The book of Mark is a suffering servant, Jesus is. He's somebody who serves other people. He goes along with what Peter said, because Peter said about Jesus in his epistle, that Jesus went about doing good. And all throughout the book of Mark, that's what's going on here. Jesus in the book of Mark is constantly doing good. In the book of Mark, there is no genealogy in the book of Mark. Matthew has a genealogy. Matthew takes Jesus' genealogy all the way to Abraham. And in the book of Matthew, Jesus is presented as the king of the Jews. It's written to a Jewish audience. It's so the Jews would realize that Jesus is their Messiah and their King, and they would repent. And you'll find a lot of Jewish culture in the book of Matthew. But in the book of Mark, there is no genealogy. In the book of Luke, Jesus is presented as the Son of Man. He's presented as the perfect man. He's presented as the man's man. He is absolute perfection in the book of Luke. In Luke, it's always Jesus refers to himself as the son of man. And it makes sense that Luke has a genealogy that tra traces Jesus' genealogy all the way back to Adam. And we find in the book of Luke that Jesus is compared to Adam. What Adam couldn't do, Jesus comes along and does. And there's no genealogy, though, in the book of Mark. In the book of John, there's not a genealogy either. Because in the book of John, Jesus is presented as the Son of God. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Jesus is presented in the book of John as the eternal Son of God. The co-equal, co-eternal Son of God. That's why Jesus often uses the great I Am statements in the book of John. John was written so you and I would know that Jesus is the Son of God. That He is God in the flesh that He is everything that God is, that He is God and very God. He says, I, the, he said, Jesus describes Himself in the book of John as the I Am of the Old Testament. I am the I Am. Before Abraham was, I am. I am the light of the world. I am the resurrection and the life. I am the door. I am the bread of life. I am the fountain of living waters. I am the good shepherd. I am the way, the truth, and the life. What is He saying in John? I am God. That's what He's saying. So, but in Mark, there is no genealogy. Why? Servants don't have a genealogy. Servants don't come from anywhere. 
Servants have no pedigree. We know that Jesus does. We have the book of John. We know that he's the king of kings. We have the book of Matthew. We know that Jesus is the best man that ever lived because we have the book of Luke. But thank God we have the book of Mark. And in the book of Mark, we're going to find Jesus is a man of action. There's more miracles in the book of Mark than any other gospel record. Jesus in the book of Mark is on the go. He's hustling. He's working. And that's why Peter said, and it's quite possible, that Mark heard Peter say this, that he went about doing good, but there was no guile found in his mouth. He was perfect, and he went about all day long doing good. In the book of Mark, we'll find one of the busiest days in the life of Jesus. Jesus is here and He's there and He's saving and He's redeeming and He's making whole and He's healing people with issues of blood and He's casting out demons and all day long He's so busy. I'm glad that Jesus is the Son of God. I'm glad He's the perfect man. I'm glad He's the King of the kings, King of kings, but i tell you what I'm glad of. I'm glad He came as a servant to give His life a ransom for many. Aren't you? If we don't have the gospel according to Mark, everything, you might take it for granted the things that I just said, well, you know this about Jesus. It might not be news to you, but it would have never been news to you if you didn't have the book of Mark. You would have never known it. The word straightway in the book of Mark is found 42 times. Then Jesus did this. Then Jesus did that. And Jesus did that. And he did that. And straightway, he did this. And straightway, he did that. And he got through over here, and he went and did something over here. And when he got done over here, he straightway then and did something over here. I'm glad Jesus can do that today, aren't you? He can straightway help my mother and straightway help me. Right now, he's helping me preach, and right now, he's helping you receive it at the same time he's doing it. Right now, I'm preaching, and Dean Braid is preaching down the hill, and he's helping me, and he's helping Dean at the same time. And all these churches right now are gathered together, and he's even working on the ones who haven't gathered. And straightway, he works. He works, and he works, and he works. He puts on his apron, and he works. No wonder Paul said, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who thought it not robbery to be made equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, and took upon himself the form of a servant, and was obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Busy. Jesus is busy in the book of Mark. He's on the go. What an example Jesus has set before us. We need to be working Peter also said, leaving us an example that we should follow in his steps. Peter said, hey, Mark, I want, to be, I want it to be known that Jesus was working and laboring. He was hustling. He came not, as a, not to be served. Jesus didn't come to be served. Jesus came to minister, to be made a servant. You picture Jesus in the book of Mark, you picture him as a waiter. You picture him as a gardener. Picture him as a carpenter. Picture him as a working man. He is working, laboring, hustling to give his life a ransom for you. Amen? You say, well, I don't know why all this is relevant. You might be taking it for granted. You know, some people, I listened to Brother Board Bingham the other day, he said, some of you are uncorrectable. Just uncorrectable. But if we didn't have this, we wouldn't have none of that. A picture of Jesus who, who's he serving? Do you and I deserve his service? 
No, not at all. The word and, and, A-N-D, is found in the book of Mark over 1,200 times. The word and is a word of action. It's all over. I was even checking it out this afternoon. It's and, it's and, it's and, it's and. 13, excuse me, 12 out of the 16 chapters in the book of Mark start with the word and. One of them starts with the word then, I noticed. So that means, if I got my math right, 13 out of the 16 books of the book of Mark starts with a word of action. The word and is mentioned, as I said, over 1,200 times in the book of Mark. I checked several different calculations. Now, I might not have all that right, but if it was 100 times, it'd be a lot, wouldn't it? If it was 500 times, it'd be a lot. You can go through the book of Mark. Wouldn't it be wonderful and wouldn't you be blessed if you did it? Have you counted every and? I've read two different reports, but I know this word and is a word of activity. If you say the word and, that means something's going to happen next. And then this happened, and that happened, and he went over there, and while he was preaching, and, 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 and. What is Mark trying to get us to understand? That Jesus was hustling for your soul, working for your redemption, laboring for your sanctification, hustling and on the go because he loves you and he loves you and he's going and he's going and he's going and then and 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 aren't you glad that you can say that that's what uh, Austin and Miranda were singing about if I could thank him for a lot couldn't you I could thank him for this and that and that and that and that and so on and so forth and therefore and nevertheless and hence more but I'm glad he saved me ain't you not only am I saved and being sanctified and according to Romans chapter 8 and will be glorified and I'll be with him in glory and I've never seen the, his seed begging, never seen his seed forsaken or begging bread and he's good to us and he's given the earnest of expectation of his spirit and he'll never leave us nor forsake us and we'll be with him forever and ever and he's preparing a place for us and he still saves and he's able to do exceedingly abundantly far more than we could ever ask or think and and I was reading some work of some of the work of J. Vernon McGee and he said if the apostle if, if Mark if Mark wrote in this style today the the English professor would give the paper back and say you've wrote the word and too much too much and I've imagined after reading that that maybe Mark said I know it but I can't keep up with Jesus I have to say and 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 it's thought that the book of Mark was written for a Roman audience. Now, the Romans were a hardworking, hustling people. They, they were a people, their culture was defined by action and going and conquering and passion. That Mark possibly was written for a Roman audience. The idea is that the book of Mark is a working man's book. It's, it's short enough, though, that a busy man or woman can read it. It's not hard to read. It's almost from the mind of a fisherman that wants other fishermen to understand what Jesus has done for them. The book of Mark, without it, without it, we would miss one of the greatest attributes of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. 
that he came to serve us, to seek us, to find us and save us. I like that image of Jesus, don't you? But I tell you what, I sure don't deserve it, do you? I'm working for him. That, excuse me, him working for me. I don't deserve that, do you? No. Makes me want to work for him, don't you? Makes me want to labor for him. Well, that's the book of Mark. That's the summary. We've summarized Mark, the person, the best we can tell. We've summarized, we went an overview of the book. And Lord willing, you pray for me. Will you pray for me? I desire your prayers. This is a, this is a hard task for me. I'm just a runt, and I know it. I know it. I know I am. I know what I am. And we're going to have to have the Lord's help. We're going to have to have His grace to get it done. If God wanted us to have the book of Mark, then I want to know about it, don't you? I want to know about it. I was reading a couple weeks ago, if you was going to fake Christianity, you wouldn't, you wouldn't write a book and put Mark's name on it. You wouldn't do that. Was Mark the one who fled in the garden naked? It's kind of embarrassing, ain't it? What if you wrote a book and they said, didn't, didn't we see him running down Vermont Avenue in his underwear? Kind of lose some credibility, wouldn't it? If you're going to fake a story, and if Peter was the source of it, wouldn't you say the gospel according to Peter to give it more clout? That way more people would read it. The memoirs of Peter, the apostle. You know, Mark was martyred for his faith. It gives it more credibility. He never changed his mind. Peter was probably crucified upside down. Gives that his testimony more credibility. Why would you lie? People, they torture people to make them tell the truth. They tortured and crucified them, and they held to their story. They held to it. If you was going to make this up, you wouldn't use the name Mark. The guy who maybe chickened out on a missionary journey. Maybe he didn't chicken out, but maybe he said, hey, I, I, bought, I bought 12 yoga oxen, I bought some land, I got married. Paul, I got to leave. Paul's like, what? You're going to leave the mission field because you got a car. I'm just speculating. I want you to know it when I am, and I am. I'm just imagining. If you was going to write a story, you probably wouldn't use the word Mark to do it. You know what it does? It, it makes it more believable, though, don't it? That why would you use a man that might have a past of cowardice? Why would you use a man that's imperfect to do it? I tell you, I'm glad that Jesus used cowards. I'm glad Jesus uses people who are scared. I'm glad Jesus uses people who are young. He was probably a teenager, early 20s, when we first come across him in Scripture. I'm glad that Jesus uses somebody who starts off rough, but they end up going pretty good. And it reminds us that imperfect people can be used of God mightily. And people who struggle in matters of faith, they're wearing that t-shirt, I'm still under construction. Let us not judge another man's servant because you don't know what God is going to do with their life. You don't know what's going to come out of it. And that day when it started, when Mark put pen to paper, he began an eternal work for God and he moved his pen as the Holy Spirit gave him utterance that all of Scripture is breathed from God and Mark, possibly the coward, the untrustworthy, can't count on him, he'll run out on you. That day 
alone when he started pinning down this gospel. Would you agree that it changed the world? It's made an eternal difference, ain't it? We can be encouraged by the life of Mark and be thankful for what God can do with a willing heart. So that's the overview. Let's stand to our feet. What are we going to sing, Bryson? Page 137.